happiness comes from contentment. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi al-ladheen astafa. Amma ba'du fa'audhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. وَقُلْ لِعِبَادِي يَقُولُ الَّتِي هِي أَحْسَنُ صَدَقَ اللَّهُ الْعَظِيمُ وَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ إِذَا قُمْتَ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ فَصَلِّ صَلَاةَ مُوَدِّعٍ وَلَا تَكَلَّمْ بِكَلَامٍ تَعْتَذِرُ مِنْهُ غَدًا وَاجْمَعِ الْيَأْسَ مِمَّا فِي أَيْدِي النَّاسِ أَوْ كَمَا قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ most respected students of deen, mothers and sisters. We had commenced discussing a hadith sharif last week. A sahabi of Rasulullah had come up to him and had asked for some advice and he also requested that the advice should be kept brief. So we discussed some of the issues in that regard some of the lessons to learn from that. So there were three advices that Rasulullah gave him. We discussed the first aspect, performing salah, as if it is the last salah. So the kind of heart and soul that will be in such a salah, that is what we have to try to develop. And then the second aspect was, not to say anything which one will have to then find some excuse for the next day which one will regret later one will now be wanting to try and make some kind of explanation for it this becomes too late to do anything because what was said has already been said and apologizing will help to a point and we should apologize if we made a mistake we must apologize in fact but the damage cannot be fully undone. Yes, maybe over time things might sort itself out, but some extent of the harm and the negative effect of that statement, the wrong statement, remains. So therefore, one has to be very, very careful about what is said, and this is the purpose of the advice that Rasulullah is saying, don't say something that you will regret later. So we are being taught to speak that which will be beneficial to think before we speak and in this way we will be safe. So this too was discussed in some detail last week and this is such a topic that no matter how much is discussed in this regard also, it will be still less. Because this is such a sensitive matter and it is something that happens almost more than anything else. A person eats, but how much they can eat? A person will eat if somebody overeats also, but the person overeating, which is a bad thing to do, but the person overeating also comes to a point where he says, sorry, I can't eat anymore. Full stop. And if he tries to still force himself to eat more, he might get very sick. And it won't be possible for him to eat any further at that time. So there will be a now a lapse, a lull. Some time will pass. 
until now he'll feel hungry after some time again and then he'll eat again. Person sleeps, how much he's going to sleep? Some people sleep 5 hours, some 7 hours, some 8 hours, some 10 hours. Some people might even sleep 12 hours too. But it comes a time when a person, no matter how much they sleep, they say, no, I can't sleep anymore, they are wide awake. So now till after another 10, 12, 15 hours later, they'll start feeling a bit now tired and sleepy again. So most things in day-to-day life, these things come to a point and then taper off. But there's something that doesn't taper off in many people's situation. Some, mashallah, who don't talk non-stop, but some people just don't stop talking. And all of us for that matter, we end up talking more than we end up doing most other things. Much of it might be necessary talk also. So obviously necessary talk will take place, provided what we are saying and how we are saying it is correct. So much of it is necessary talk also. But that's not something that makes a difference to what is being told to us. Because even necessary talk has to be thought out. Because if a person says something necessary in the wrong way, that too can become a difficulty. It can become a difficulty for himself, for others. So even necessary talk has to be correctly said. So this is a very, very important subject and a very important topic, which is often just bypassed. It's not given due consideration. And we bring about great amount of difficulty for ourselves in the process. And we even put many others into difficulty as a result of how we say things, or what we say. <coughs> so this is the message and the lesson that Rasulullah is giving us. That don't say something that you will regret tomorrow. We discussed this in some detail about what tomorrow refers to. One is the tomorrow of this world, meaning later. And the other is the tomorrow of Akhirat. Because there, there is no escape. Here we can try to twist and turn something. We can say, I meant this, whereas we know in our hearts, that's just now part of damage control. I didn't really mean that. So now instead of being straight to the point that, look, what I said was wrong. What I said was not in order. So I am apologizing, I am retracting it. Now we try to sometimes just make some excuse for it. There's one saying in Urdu, Uzre guna battar az guna. Actually, Farsi and Persian, Uzre guna battar az guna. That to make an excuse for a wrong is worse than the wrong itself. Because now this is, so to say, justifying the wrong. So that might not be the intention to justify the wrong, but this becomes like a justification for the wrong. So we're giving it some valid explanation. So, if we made a mistake, we accept it. And we immediately retract. Some people have this habit that they say something and no matter how clearly wrong it might be, if somebody corrects them, they will immediately try to defend themselves in some way. Immediately try to make some excuse for what they initially said. But that just further complicates the situation. And it doesn't bring any positive results. We should at that time stop, think, and we'll realize then that what I said wasn't in order. Apologize. Apologize, retract it, and then make amends. What we said still is a reality that after the apology also, the damage is not fully undone. 
But the apology definitely helps. It definitely reduces the intensity of the pain, of the damage. It prevents the matter from escalating further. If there is an apology, it now puts a lid on the matter. What's there is there, but it puts a lid on it. And now people, inshallah, if they accept the apology, it will not now continue boiling. It will start simmering. It will start now getting cooler now gradually. It won't happen overnight. But it will start cooling off. Depending on what really happened, how serious it was, how major it was, some small thing will get forgotten within, forgotten within minutes. But something major, it will put the lid on it. Why? Because a person has apologized. What is this apology all about? The apology is all about humility. That's the reality of it. That the apology stems out of humility. A person who has humility, such a person will be able to apologize. And the person who is devoid of humility or the humility is lacking, then even after having realized that I was wrong, even after having understood clearly what I said wasn't in order, but the lack of humility, the lack of humility, then there'll be pride. The pride will prevent us from apologizing. The pride will prevent us from trying to now put the lid on the matter. So now what will be the outcome of this? The outcome will be escalation. But here now the person has humbled himself and apologized. Now if the person has humbled himself and apologized, then this is the promise from the side of Allah Ta'ala, which Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Allah, that provided there is ikhlas in that matter. So the person who has <coughs> humbled himself for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will elevate such a person. So now for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, we humbled ourselves and retracted. We might have spoken rudely to our parents. So we apologize. What I said was, how I said it was totally wrong. It might be whatever we spoke to somebody else, which now was hurtful, which was mean, which was not the right thing to say. But now we humbled ourselves and we retracted, we apologized. So Allah Ta'ala will elevate such a person the first part of this being elevated is Allah will put positive feelings in the hearts of others. That's part of the the effect of this humility. That there will be positive thoughts that will come in the hearts of others. Allah is the control of the hearts. Now we sometimes feel that if I now accept my wrong, I acknowledge that I was the wrong party, this person will look down upon me, others will look down upon me, and I will then lose my respect. So now let me defend this in any way, somehow lying, deceiving, whatever it is, I have to defend it. Now why are we trying to do that? We are trying to so-called save our respect, save our so-called dignity. But what really happens, people see through it, so now, number one, you see, look, this person, number one, was wrong. But look at the person now. Despite being wrong, now still trying to defend the wrong. So what the outcome? That the respect had already fallen a little bit. 
because of the wrong thing that was said, now it really crashes. So what we were hoping we were going to do, Shaitan actually led us into the totally opposite direction. We want to save our Izzat. In order to save our Izzat, so Shaitan is like trying to say that somebody now wants to clean something. There's a dirt somewhere. He needs to clean the dirt. So now what he did, he brought one cloth filled with Najasat. And now he's trying to clean the surface where there's some dust. So now there's some dust there. If he blew at it hard enough, the dust would have flown away. He just dusted it with something, it would have gone. But he brought one cloth filled with Najasat and he's trying to clean this. He shouldn't have done that, it would have been still better with the dust. Now he made it impure. So likewise, we made a mistake. Anybody can understand that mistakes happen. And especially when you apologize, people accept it. Many a person, one person was saying, he experienced this many times. He experienced this many times on the road, that he made a mistake. He misjudged something, or he didn't check beforehand and he just turned in some direction or whatever it might have been, he made some mistake and that mistake could have caused an accident. But now somebody else who was now in the same space at that moment and who could have got knocked, who could have been bumped into, that person took some defensive action and saved the situation in that moment. But now this person suddenly realized in the last minute, I nearly caused an accident. See, so many times it happened, but instantly he says, I quickly made an indication of apologizing, please, sorry, now either by taking the hand out and showing some uh, gesture of apology and of, of uh, asking for sort of forgiveness for now, sorry, I'm sorry what I did. He sees it almost always was the case that the person you could already see was very upset, but as soon as I just acknowledge now that, look, I made a mistake here, and please, sorry, now they both are in their own cars, they both are driving, and at that time nobody can hear each other, which is, as soon as that was done, some even acknowledged the apology, by now just tapping the hooter, or maybe just flashing the light, or whatever the case is, or just waving with the hand, it instantly, almost instantly, saved the situation. Otherwise, the reaction could have been, that person would have started now saying something, doing something, now he's driving, Allah forbid what he would have done at that moment, and where it could have finished off, but now what saved the day? The humility. Humility saved the day, and he says, the person says, I had this experience multiple times. Now, sometimes some people are a little bit, maybe not so expert at driving, now he might be one of those people, that he makes his mistake often, but he says, every time I made the mistake, I immediately apologized, and people accepted it. One odd occasion, somebody was still very upset, and made some kind of, you know, threatening gestures or whatever, but other than that, people instantly accepted it. Now, what was the effect? Or where did this effect come from? The effect didn't come from the manner in which he gestured and apologized. It came from the reality of Tawazu. It's the effect of humility. Now, he humbled himself. Allah Ta'ala put positive feelings in the heart of the opposite party for him. So, they immediately accepted his apology. Look, the person made a mistake. But he apologized, so they felt good about that. Now they're feeling good about it, where it came from? Who's the control of the hearts? Who put that feeling of goodness in their hearts? Allah Ta'ala. Why? 
Because this banda of Allah Ta'ala accepted to humble himself. So Allah Ta'ala put positive feelings in the other person's heart. Now this can be looked at across the board. And you will find this always the case. Sometimes it will happen instantly on the spot. Sometimes it will take a little while. But if we humble ourselves at the first instance. Now when everything else we allowed it to escalate and really become a major problem. Now the fire is really now gone very big and burning. Now we're coming with our bucket of water there and saying, now I'm sorry. Now we already created such a big problem. It's going to take a while now. It's good that we're saying sorry still. But it's going to take a long while now. But on the first instance, a person learns to humble himself. To recognize that I'm at mistake. That is a very big thing as well. Often we are just in denial. And... Oh, it's the pride. So now as a result, what happened? Instant defense. I said something. It was not in order. It was not the appropriate thing to say. It was not in keeping with respect of some elder. It was not in keeping with saying kind words to somebody. It was not in keeping with the adab of deen. It was not in keeping with what is going to bring the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala for us. So now, there's so many angles to this. But despite all that, we don't recognize it. We don't see it. We just feel, no, no, it's not, not a problem. So that is a bigger problem than the problem itself. When there's a disease, and the person doesn't recognize the disease, somebody is suffering from a major illness, illness that can become very fatal, very, it can become very serious and become fatal, and the person is regarding it as good health. Now somebody... Their body is now I mean, sounding like it's getting healthier. But then somebody is saying, you know what, you got a problem here. This is not getting healthier. You are, some, something is going wrong, you are blowing up. And uh, this can be as, as a result of many very major problems. So you need to get, get, get this checked out. He says, no, no, I was so, I mean, so thin and skinny and skin and bone. So I think this is health. But the doctor is saying this is not health, this is sickness. But the person is thinking the sickness is health. Now what are you going to help him with? If he thinks the sickness is health, and now we can think of this similarly in so many different ways. Somebody thinks of a foul odor as a fragrance. He is smelling it very fragrant. Somebody can see the mess as something clean. Astaghfirullah. When, how, that's now a problem on another level. That's a very severe major issue. Now that might sound very ajeeb. How can we even think of examples like that? But this is what we do on a daily basis. We make mistakes and we think what we did was right. We do things that are wrong and we believe what we did was right. That is worse than the wrong itself. So the first thing is to recognize the wrong. And if we do recognize our mistakes, that is a very great na'mat from Allah Ta'ala. That's a very big step forward already. But then the real thing is to humble oneself. Not to persist on the wrong. Not to try to justify the wrong statement that was made. To t- we know that was not the right thing. And if we don't know it's not the right thing, then ask. Ask somebody who will be able to advise us that yes, was it correct or not. And if it was not correct, then we humble ourselves immediately. And we will see the benefit of that humility. So in any case, the apology is necessary, 
But where this apology will come from? It will come from humility. It will come from humility. And that humility will put the lid on the matter. Why? Because this is the effect that comes from the side of Allah Ta'ala. So the thing is that it will start cooling down. Rather than continuing to escalate. And gradually it will come right inshallah. So this was the very important lesson. That do not say something that you will regret later. And you will have to start making excuses etc. Rather think first and then say what you need to say. To continue with the Hadith Sharif, the third aspect that Rasulullah mentioned, that totally cut off all hopes and shut off all hopes with regards to what people have, what others have. Meaning, you are seeing something that somebody else has, so now you want to be also having the same. So now you are building your hopes for this your hopes, your desires. Now that's a sure prescription for a miserable life. The prescription for happiness in life, Rasulullah himself has explained, that look at those who have lesser than you, unzuru ila man huwa asfala minkum, wala tanzuru ila man huwa fawqakum, look at those who have lesser than you, don't look at those who have more than you. In whatever thing you regard that this person has more. This is more likely that you will not disregard the favors of Allah Ta'ala upon you. In other words, if you're going to be looking around at what somebody else has, though you have so many bounties of Allah Ta'ala, but you are going to be disregarding these bounties. You're going to be looking at what others have, and what others have you don't seem to have, so you're going to be thinking that I have nothing and you're going to be falling into ingratitude which is a major sin. Ingratitude is a very very great sin. So the prescription is to be grateful. And how we will be great, grateful? Keep looking at those who have lesser than us. This will create gratitude. So what is the lesson in this part of the Hadith Sharif? The simple lesson here is of contentment. The content person will be happy. He's content, he's happy. Many people who have traveled different parts of the world and they've been to places where people are living what we will call in a very, very poor condition. But they've been to these rural areas and they've sometimes spent some days with people in these areas and they've seen the kind of life they lead. We can't imagine it. They don't have any running water in their homes. They don't have any electricity. They're living in some rural areas. They live off the land, what they can grow, some few animals or something that they have. Uh, Very simple lives. But the person says that, look, they don't have the facilities, the luxuries, the comforts that we have. But something that they have, which most people don't have, is happiness. How are they happy? They don't even have running water. We didn't have running water for short periods. We know what, how that became, how difficult for us. Not that having running water is anything wrong. That's a ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala. 
But what we're getting at is that these people don't have this ni'mat. It's a ni'mat. They don't have it. But despite that, they're happy. How come? They don't have power and electricity, but despite that, they're happy. Can that be possible? Can we think about it? That we don't have power, we don't have water, and we'll be happy. It's Allah's ni'mat, alhamdulillah, and a very big ni'mat. Allah Ta'ala has made things easy that we have running water. And from time to time, unfortunately, nowadays it becomes a more frequent issue when there's some disruption. Then we realize what a big ni'mat this is also. That there's water on tap. When the power is gone, there's load shedding. Now we realize what a great ni'mat. Now it's suddenly load shedding. And if it's a very cold day, and now the heat is off, now the person is shivering. Now for the two hours, three hours, whatever duration, now it's winter, and now all the heat is off. Somebody doesn't have a gas heater or whatever. Now they realize what a ni'mat this was. It's an extremely hot day, and now the aircon got switched off. Now we realize what a great ni'mat this power was also. Allah's ni'mat. But now people don't have these things, and they're still happy, how come? They're eating very simple, basic food, barely filling their bellies with something that's very basic. How come they're happy? They're happy because they have the greatest wealth in terms of what a person can possess from the dunya aspects. They have the greatest wealth of contentment. Inna al-ghina, ghina nafs the real contentment, the real wealth is the wealth of the heart. And if this wealth of the heart is missing, contentment is missing, then what will be the outcome? The outcome is the person will be trying to fill the void and trying to fill the need or, or try to acquire the happiness by becoming a non-stop consumer of things. Person will become, somebody who will now become a bio, whatever they call it, shopaholic, or bioholic, or Allah knows best something, some funny words are used to describe such people. See, they will buy things which they don't need, and buy even more of that which they still don't need. And then they haven't touched the past four or five times that they bought, they'll be still buying the fifth time and the sixth time, I think we discussed this on previous occasions as well. People say that they got 30 pairs of shoes. Somebody says they got 50 pairs of shoes. Somebody got about 30 pairs of clothes. And somebody got something. Where does this stem from? Person has got so much, hasn't used everything properly, but still must have more of the same thing. This stems out of the same thing. We're looking for something to make us happy. So now I got this one, two, three, five, fifteen. But now this is where I'll get happy now, the 17th one. But then after one week, there's the 18th one. Another one month, there's a the 19th one. And one is a person now afforded to buy some new thing. But the thing is all lying there and tomorrow if moth comes, you're going to have to give his up for this. So if somebody really needs to buy something new, then we have been taught to give the old to somebody in sadaqah. Fine, keep a few, because now you need to sometimes... Uh, have a few at standby, one is gone in the washing or something else, one shoe broke. So now people have few pairs, five pairs, seven pairs, well then good, no problem. But now there's non-stop something new and then the old things are not even old yet. That too is good as new. This is the path of shaitan. إِنَّ الْمُبَذِّرِينَ كَانُوا إِخْوَانَ الشَّيَاطِينَ So this, this is wastage. 
Allah Ta'ala does not love this. Inna Allah la yuhibbul musrifeen. Extravagance, wastage. Now, if a person really wants to buy something new, now he's already got seven, eight. So now he bought the ninth one, then give the first one away in sadaqah. Bought the tenth one, now he's only got, not ten, that's the tenth one, but there's only seven on hand or eight on hand. Bought the tenth one, then give the second away in sadaqah. So you're stuck with that meaning, that that's the limit. I will not own and possess more than this number at the maximum. One odd situation, now something understood. But now that should become the target. And that too should not be that every other day I need to, every other month, buy something new. Because that then goes down in a different path. Yes, you needed to buy something. We'll buy it. No problem. We afforded it. No problem. But not just for the sake of buying. Because that stems out of this lack of contentment. That goes in a very, very difficult path. A person will never be happy. It will just be like that soda water that josh, that little bubble for the while, and then it's completely flat. So now that moment that it was bought, there's a peak, there's some excitement, and then two days later it's all flat. Now, looking for what somebody else has. But that person now, he's got even the latest now. What I had was latest one week ago, he's got something even more recent than that. So now I need to now acquire that as well. This is a never-ending cycle, and it's the prescription for misery. So if you want the happiness, you will have to inculcate contentment. And this is the true wealth, the wealth of contentment. Then a person is happy regardless of whether he has some luxuries and comforts, or he does not have it too, he'll still be happy. He may be finding some inconvenience in some aspects. A person doesn't have running water, it doesn't mean that it is not an inconvenience. It is an inconvenience. And if the water was there, it would have been convenient. So the convenience is a matter apart from happiness. It doesn't mean that if a person has every convenience, the person will be happy. And it doesn't mean if a person is going through some inconvenience, he definitely must be unhappy. It doesn't work like that. Many people are living in very simple conditions but are happy. They have the inconveniences, what we regard as inconvenience. They must go somewhere and fetch the water. They must light the lamp for electricity. They must eat the simple food. But they have the essence of everything. They have that happiness. Because it comes from contentment. The cornerstone of Western lifestyle, this is the statement of Hazrat Mawlana Yusuf Khandilwi, the Western lifestyle is on two foundations on extravagance and shamelessness. Behayai. If you look through that lifestyle, you'll find these two things are the standard things. Extravagance, that's why you could just earn and earn and earn like a machine. No end to it. Father is earning, mother is earning, son is earning, daughter is earning, and then everybody has to be working. Why? Because now we must be able to splash it out. So that becomes the goal. So, extravagance and then shamelessness. You'll see that lifestyle going in the direction of shamelessness, headlong going in the direction of shamelessness. And what is the end result of that kind of lifestyle is obvious to all. So in any case, this is the cornerstone of Western lifestyle, the cornerstones of the Islamic way of life, the Mubarak way that Rasulullah has taught us and given us. It is simplicity, and higher.
These are the cornerstones of the society of Islam. The cornerstones of a Muslim community, of a society. Simplicity and Haya. If these two things are existing in a community, it will flourish as a community. And if this is fault, there's a lack in this, you'll find innumerable problems in the community. All kinds of problems, social problems and whatnot problems. So we need to now develop this contentment. In the Hadith Sharif, the Dua of Rasulullah very, very directly brings us to the same topic. Allah, make me content with that which you have blessed me with. What risk you have given me, make me content with it. That is the real wealth. That is the real thing to aspire for. So therefore, we should ponder over these issues, think about it. We spoke about the various aspects in this Hadith Sharif. All the things are meant for us to be pondering over regularly. Not something just once in a while, but to ponder over regularly and see where we are heading. Likewise, this is an issue of contentment. We should be thinking deeply about what extent of contentment we have. Or are we also caught up in this Western lifestyle and this Western mindset of consumerism? We just keep buying and buying and buying. Then we are heading on a path of misery. We need to change that. Come to contentment. We'll find happiness. Allah Ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهل ربنا غلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تخفل لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله